Welcome to the Strong Moms Club, a podcast all about living happy, healthy lives in motherhood. I'm Raya, a toddler mom and a retired nurse turned health and fitness coach with a passion for helping other moms find their confidence and feel their best in motherhood. Here at the Strong Moms Club, I chat every Monday about all things health, fitness, nutrition, motherhood, and just balancing it all while trying to keep tiny humans alive. Let's dive into today's episode. Hi, Strong Moms. Welcome to the Strong Moms Club podcast. Today's episode is going to be a little bit of a different topic than normal. If you follow along with my Instagram stories, you might know what it's going to be about. You've probably heard me talk about it in the last couple weeks, but I am in my garden girl and urban homesteading era right now. So since that's taking up just a lot of my like mental space, and time, I guess, at the moment, I figured that it could take up a little bit of space on the podcast as well. And we'd pop an episode in about it. Because although it's not like one of my normal topics, it is in relation to health. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna bring it to the podcast for an episode here. So today I want to talk about the urban homesteading practices that I have started up this year, including expanding my backyard garden to provide my family with more homegrown produce this spring and summer. So I'm going to go over kind of my reasoning behind diving into this, the things that I'm doing, everything that I've learned about starting a produce garden in a small space and on a budget. And I'm definitely no homesteading or gardening expert here, um, but this is just my experience, what I've learned from reading a million blog posts and gardening magazines and listening to every homesteading or gardening podcast and YouTube channel that I could find in the last couple months. So first let's chat about why I am taking this little urban homesteader journey all of the sudden. And really it's just a lot of like going back to what I did in my childhood. I grew up doing a lot of baking and a lot of gardening with my nan. She had a huge garden and we were out there every day. She had so much homegrown food and made her own jams and like so much stuff. So it was a really cool part of my childhood. I was always outside in the dirt, harvesting and cooking our own foods. And I just want my daughter to get to experience that in her life as well. And to learn where our food comes from to really value it and like the process that goes into it over just like going to the grocery store and picking it out like actually to know how the food is growing and the time and the effort that it takes and the resources that it takes and also just to get outside in the dirt and have a little bit of fun because my daughter loves the dirt she loves the garden like we only have a small garden right now but she loves it. So I think she's going to really love having a bigger garden this year and like going forward as she gets older too. I think it's just going to be such a cool experience with her. Plus I also want to be able to eat like organic healthy foods that we know the ingredients of, we know the origins of, we can promote our health in the best way possible, but also not be spending a fortune at the grocery store every week to do so because Y'all know inflation, the prices be going up. Groceries are insane these days. So yeah, that's kind of my my why, my goal, my idea for like taking this journey, why I want to do it. Because honestly, it is a lot of work, but I have been trying to do it in a way that's not too much work. So some of the things that I've started making at home, which again, you probably know if you have me on Instagram, is sourdough. She's a sourdough girly. 
but I've coined myself a lazy sourdough girly because I don't necessarily do it like the typical way. I don't do the fancy loaves. I don't do discard. I'm just keeping it simple and I'm keeping it practical and just easy for myself. Like as much as part of me wants to be that sourdough girly who's like making the cool loaves and like doing all the cool designs in them, it's just, it's not practical for our family. So we eat a lot of sandwich bread. Like we eat bread because we're making sandwiches or we're making grilled cheese or we're like, I don't know, we're making something that needs bread that's normally in a bread shape, right? Like not just the little loaves of bread. We want a normal loaf of bread. So I have been making sandwich loaves and they don't need all of the fancy shaping and scoring. And they don't even honestly need any supplies other than like a bowl, a bread pan, and of course the ingredients for your dough. So it does make it a bit more affordable to do it this way because you're not having to purchase any supplies. Because when I first got my starter, I went online and was like, what do I need to do sourdough? And I was like, oh, I need a proofing basket and I need this like thing to score it and I need this fancy thing to mix it. And I was going on Amazon being like, okay, I need this $50 set of like supplies for sourdough. And then I was like, this doesn't make sense because I'm trying to make bread that's going to like not be as expensive as going to the grocery store, but now I'm going to spend $50 on all this stuff to make it. So it just, it didn't sit right with me. It didn't make sense. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to do it this way. I'm going to use like the jars that I have at home. I'm just going to do it an easy way. I'm going to use what I have. I did buy some new bread pans just because I wanted some new bread pans. I, it wasn't essential. I just wanted them, but I didn't have to buy anything really. So although I did buy my starter on marketplace, but you can totally make them yourself. I'm not going to tell you how, cause I've never done it, but Google how to do it or look it up on TikTok. You can make them yourself. I think it takes like a week or two, but I just bought one on marketplace. So you can also go to marketplace, look for one on there. I bought one for like 10 bucks. So I could have made it, but I didn't. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, so I'm making sandwich loaves. All I need to pay for is the actual ingredients. Buy my ingredients in bulk at Costco. She's cheap. And then I also keep my starter in the fridge. So this is another part of the lazy girl sourdough. I keep it in the fridge and I only feed it when I want to bake. So lately I've been doing two or three loaves on the weekend for the week. So I'll take out my starter on Friday night and I'll feed it before I go to bed. So it's been in the fridge all week. She comes out of the fridge. I feed her. She sits on the counter overnight. She gets nice and fed in the morning. I usually feed her again because she's kind of like peaked and then fallen a bit overnight. So in the morning I feed her again and then I'm ready to make my dough by afternoon. So I make my dough in the afternoon and then Sunday morning, I can pop my loaves into the oven, have three fresh loaves ready for the week ahead. I don't have to do any like daily feeding. I don't have to deal with any discard every couple days. I just get to feed my starter, make my bread, put my starter back in the fridge and there she sits for the week until the next week when I wanna make bread again. So don't come at me saying that this is like a bad way to do it or my starter's not gonna be healthy or anything. I'm in a million sourdough groups. I know it's working for me. It's keeping it easy. So I'm gonna stick with it because it's working. Why fix something that's not broken, you know? So yeah, that is, that's my sourdough, my lazy sourdough vibes. I am actually going to share my recipe because I've taken the last like month and a half to figure it out, perfect it, the recipe and the procedure. So the same day that this podcast goes live, I will be posting a reel of it on Instagram. So go check that out if you want to know how to make the best sourdough sandwich loaf that's pretty darn easy and that you can make in a day. So at Raya Hamill, go check it out if you want to know how. 
And then the second thing that I've been making at home are a lot of my daughter's snacks, which again, I've shared some of the recipes that I've been trying on my Instagram stories. So you might've seen that, but we were kind of spending a fortune on kids snacks that were filled with so many ingredients. They were very high sugar, had like all the seed oils, everything that you ideally probably are like, oh, maybe I shouldn't give my kid too much of this. They were in everything and I was spending a fortune on them. So I was like, okay, I don't want to spend over half my budget on groceries on these kid snacks. So let's see what we can make at home. So I've really been loving making animal crackers, like little cookies. Um, we've been making bear paws, which are honestly so delicious, like banana chocolate chip bear paws. I'm not saying they're necessarily super healthy because I do put some sugar in them. They do have chocolate chips in them, but I also know everything that's in them. There's like five ingredients, maybe a like handful of ingredients, not a whole laundry list. And I can control what those ingredients are. So I really like that about making the kids snacks myself. Um, another one that we've been loving is protein mini muffins. So I just use the Kodiak cake mix. I'll pop some chocolate chips or some blueberries or strawberries or something in them to add a little something. Um, yeah, those are kind of my three, my three things that I've tried that I've really liked that we've made a few times for kids snacks. I have not yet found a recipe that I love for crackers. I've tried some sourdough crackers, but I just, I haven't perfected them yet. I need to work on them and they're just like too hard and crunchy. But if anyone has a recipe for some like copycat Annie's cheddar bunnies, send them my way because my daughter's obsessed. I also love them, but I would love to find a way to make those at home because that is the last like snack that we buy other than yogurt and fruit that I would like to be able to make myself. So yeah, I need to work on some crackers, but that's pretty much the extent of my homemade foods for now. Once we get into the garden season, I do hope to, or plan to start making more of our own foods like tomato sauces for pastas and pizzas, which I make the best sourdough crust for, as well as I plan to dry some herbs to use as seasoning, and then also dry some herbs to make teas with, and maybe we'll see how crazy I'm feeling. We might try and make some jam this year. So on that note, let's chat gardening because this is kind of the bulk of the topic, the bulk of what I'm doing this year in terms of the whole like urban homesteading thing, which I've said that a few times. So urban homesteading, basically what I've gathered from it is it means that you're like doing homestead type activities, but you're still living in like the suburbs, right? Like I, I live in a neighborhood. I have a small backyard. I don't have an acreage. I don't have like animals. I don't have a farm. I have a little backyard that I'm going to do a little garden in. I have a kitchen that I can cook stuff in kind of doing small things where you're making more of your stuff at home. You're being more self-sufficient and relying less on the grocery store and on like buying commercially. So that's when I say urban homesteading, that is what I'm referring to. I am not starting a farm on an acreage anywhere. Okay. Maybe one day that'd be cool, but for now, no. Although I have asked my husband if I could get chickens, it was a hard no, but maybe one day, maybe if I just keep asking, we'll get chickens one day. <laughs> so anyways, the garden, I have dabbled in gardening for actually quite a long time now. I've always had a herb garden since I can remember, like since I moved out of my parents' house, I've always had a herb garden, which was like 11 years ago now. Although there was a stint when I lived with roommates that I didn't, but for the most part, I've always had a herb garden on my deck. Uh, the last few years we've had a blueberry plant. We've had two blueberry plants actually. 
We've had a raspberry plant that live in pots on our deck. And then we also have a big strawberry patch in the backyard. So we have one um, raised garden bed. I believe it's a six by three garden bed. And it is literally just filled with raspberries. I started it with maybe 12 raspberry plants or something. And now there is way too many. I need to actually take some out this year and move them or something. But yeah, we've always, we've had that for quite a few years now, the big strawberry patch and then the deck garden. So this year we're going to have all that, but I'm also going to add four more garden beds into the backyard for veggies and then not really related, but I'm also doing some flowers that we're going to put in the front yard. So that's kind of a separate thing. We're not talking about that today, um, but same idea. I've started it the same way when we get to the seed starting, same idea for the flowers, but the main purpose is the vegetables, the produce to be able to feed our family. The flowers are just a nice little bonus so I can have fresh cut flowers throughout the season. So I would ideally love to get enough produce for us to eat fresh through the season, which we've been able to do the last couple years with what we have, but also to be able to store some things like frozen berries, frozen vegetables, those sauces and maybe jams that I plan on making, um, the dried herbs, the teas, things like that. That is going to be what I'm hoping to do to be able to feed us also through the fall and winter versus just eating from our garden during gardening season. So we'll see, we'll see if that actually happens. Um, if I actually am able to produce enough in this garden for it, it's the first year. So I'm not gonna put too much pressure on myself to do it, but that would be the dream that I have a little bit of food to get us through fall and winter as well. Obviously not to feed us fully, but that we can get the majority of our produce from that. In the process of planning this garden out, a really big thing for me has been doing it in a way that's not going to be insanely expensive because that kind of defeats the part of the purpose that's about providing us the healthy food without the hefty price tag. And honestly, I've never really been a budgeting girly. I, not at all actually, like I should be better at budgeting. I'm so bad at it, but I have started being more intentional about saving in some places lately so that I can more freely invest in others that are more important to me. So that's things like my health, my business, family experiences. So if I can save in some areas to be able to invest in those areas, then I am all for it. So let's chat about a few of the things that I'm focusing on to get this garden going without also going broke. <laughs> and the first thing is the actual build of the garden. So I often see people make these like big raised garden beds. They'll be either wood or like the kind of corrugated metal ones you see and they're beautiful, but they're so expensive to build. And then also so expensive to fill like the soil to go in them. So I wanted to avoid that. And ideally an in-ground garden is going to be the cheapest option. Our yard is just not ideal for that. I don't think we have like good enough soil for me to just like, do an in-ground garden, like just to like till up the soil and use that. I don't think it would work for us. So I do have to do raised beds, but I'm going to do them super shallow. So just like the one that I have now, the strawberry patch I have now, they're going to be just 10 inches high. Um, I'm probably going to butcher this because I don't actually understand like lumber sizing or construction stuff. Um, that's my husband's side of the thing, side of everything really. But, uh, we're making them out of, I believe, two by 10 lumber. So it'll be 10 inches high. 
again, don't quote me on this, <laughs> but by not building them too deep, we're not going to spend as much on materials, which we're actually going to get from my dad because my dad um, milled wood. So that's an even like a bonus savings for us is that I don't actually have to buy the lumber. We're going to get wood milled from my dad so that we can build it out of free lumber. But even if you're buying the lumber by just doing one height of lumber, you're going to be saving a lot because you're not having to buy multiple pieces to get it three, four, whatever, how many high. But then also you're going to save on filling the beds because the higher the beds are, the more you have to fill them, right? And you have to buy the soil to then fill them. So I always see people do this. They'll do these like high, high garden beds and then they'll load them up with soil and it's just so expensive to fill them. Like you're spending a fortune on dirt. So that's a way to save on the fill. And then I'm also going to be filling them not fully with soil. So what I'm going to be doing, I saw this on Pinterest, is that you do a base layer of cardboard that can help prevent weeds from going through. So I'm just saving all of our Amazon boxes and stuff like that. Ideally, I'm just saving the ones that are like pure cardboard. So not colored and like printed on ones, just brown cardboard. And then on top of that, I'm going to do a layer of organic debris. So like sticks and twigs and stuff, which I'll probably just pop into the trails beside our house, grab a few from there, and then do a little layer of that. And then I'm also making my own compost. So I'm just using all of our kitchen scraps, yard scraps, stuff like that, and putting it into my compost pile, making some compost with that. And then I will be buying some soil. So by using the cardboard, the organic material, the homemade compost to fill a lot of the beds, it's going to save me a ton of money on actual soil. But then what I am buying of soil, I plan to pick up a yard of soil from a local company rather than buying like the bags because I priced it out and it is more affordable to do it in a yard versus buying like individual bags of soil and then filling with those when you're buying them at like a garden center or something. So that's my plan for like the structure and the filling of the garden. And then after I planned that out, the next step was planning the actual plants. And my main focus here, where I started on figuring out what plants to put in this garden was choosing foods that my family actually eats a lot of. Because it could have been really easy to just be like, okay, these are the standard things that people put in their garden. Because you always see kind of the classic things, right? Like you see rhubarb, you see zucchini, you see like squash and pumpkins. And as much as I would like to grow those things just because it sounds fun, like a pumpkin patch would be so cute. And I know zucchini grows really well, but we don't really eat that stuff. Like it just wouldn't make sense to be growing all this stuff that we don't actually use as main components of our diet. So instead I focused on what we actually buy the most of. So when we go to the grocery store as a family, what do we normally buy? Because they are the bulk of our meals, the bulk of what we eat. And for us, that is a lot of broccoli. We eat a lot of bell peppers, uh, tomatoes, which we don't really buy actual whole tomatoes, but we will buy them in like the form of pasta sauces or pizza sauce or salsa. Um, berries, we eat a lot of berries, especially because we have a toddler. And if you have a toddler, you know that their main food group is berries. <laughs> um, carrots, potatoes, sandwich greens, so spinach and arugula is where I'm going to plant for that. Garlic and onions. So those are kind of the bulk of what we eat in terms of produce. So those are going to be what I'm planting in our garden so that we are actually planting what we are eating. Another way that I have seen people plan their garden is with what's called survival garden 
crops. And these are basically foods that you're going to get a lot of nutrition from. So again, things like potatoes, where you're getting like a big carb source from that. So things that are maybe like heartier and that are filling you more is what you would use if you were looking for a survival garden technique. But for me, I am focusing on what we eat the most of. And then another thing that I that I thought about that came into play here was planning foods that are going to give us a high yield. So I said broccoli and broccoli honestly is not ideal because it does not give you a high yield. Like planting one broccoli gives you a head of broccoli, but if you're planting a tomato plant, it gives you a ton of tomatoes. So I did try and focus on things like that, where I would be able to get multiple yields from the same plant. So peppers, tomatoes, uh, strawberries, our blueberry plant, we get a lot from things like that, where it's, you're planting one plant, but you're getting multiple pieces of produce from it. I'm um, trying to focus on that. And then also one thing that I learned about tomatoes specifically, but it does, I believe apply to other types of plants is indeterminate versus determinate plants and determinate plants. They grow to a certain size, they grow a certain amount of produce and then they stop where indeterminate plants, they keep giving you more and more. So for tomatoes, I made sure that I was choosing indeterminate types of tomatoes so that I would continue getting more and more from them over the season. And then another thing that I took into consideration here is what our friends and our family grow and often give us because both of our parents have fruit trees and small gardens that we get some produce from in the summer because they have excess that they'll give us. Uh, so we get a ton of apples, plums, we get some beans and peas. So things like that I did not want to plant because I know we're going to be getting them from family already. So we don't need to also be growing our own. We can use that space for things that we need outside of what we're already going to be getting. So since I had a plan of what we wanted to grow and I knew that I wanted to try to do most things from seed because seeds are so much cheaper than buying plants from a garden center, which is what I used to do. Anytime I've done gardening before, I've just gone to my local garden center and bought some seedlings and planted them. And it's fun. Like it's still, it's still gardening. It's still fun, but it is a lot more expensive. Like it's not much cheaper than just going to buy the produce from the store. I don't think. And it's also just not as exciting as like starting your own seed from scratch. Right. I don't know. There's something cool about it. So I did start figuring out what can be direct sown because I was not planning to start seeds indoors. I've never done that before. It seemed like an extra step I wasn't ready for. So I was like, okay, what can I direct sow right into the garden that'll grow from seeds? So carrots and greens were the things that I bought to direct sow. And then some other things that were better off as transplant were things like tomatoes, peppers, and broccolis, unless I was going to start them indoors. And originally I planned on just buying seedlings for those things and transplanting them into the garden, but I was feeling a little bit crazy recently. And I decided that I was going to start some seeds indoors for the first time ever, because like I said, they're just way cheaper. Like a seedling is usually a few dollars a plant versus seeds are a few dollars for like 40 plus seeds. So it definitely makes more sense if you're trying to do a garden on a budget to start everything that you can from seeds. I do have a couple plants that I don't know if they're going to work starting from seeds. My peppers have not sprouted yet, so I might end up having to buy seedlings for those, but it's an experiment and 
at least I tried, right? And everything else so far has sprouted. So that's been really exciting. So I actually grabbed most of my seeds from Rona and I ended up getting some windowsill greenhouse seed starting containers there too. I had planned on using some containers that I had around the house. I had some old seedling containers. I had some little like yogurt cups and some little plant pots that I was just going to use what I had around the house, buy some soil and then start my seeds like that. But the soil was more expensive, like buying a bag of soil to start my seeds was more expensive than buying these little seed starting greenhouses, which already had little soil pellets in them. So I ended up just buying two of those. They were $4 each. You can do 12 seeds in each, and then they just really nicely fit on your windowsill. And the seeds cost me about two to $6 a bag. But then a few days later, after I just bought all this, after I'd started all my seeds, we were at Dollarama and I found the same, well, not the same because it's an off brand, but very similar seed starting containers there. I think they were $3 each. And again, they had the soil pellets in them and they were for 12 seeds. And I also found some seeds for 34 cents a bag and they had tons of vegetable seeds a lot of the ones that i already bought so i was definitely kicking myself um that i had already bought them all because i found out that the dollarama brand seeds are actually the exact same seeds that i had bought they're just packaged differently from the same seed company and sold cheaper for dollarama so if you are planning to start some seeds and you do not yet have them before you go to Rona or like Canadian Tire or wherever, go to Dollarama and go get the garden corner seeds, which are the exact same as the Mackenzie seeds that you would buy at a garden center or a grocery store, but they are literally a fraction of the price, like 34 cents versus two to $6 a bag. So learn from me and go look at the dollar store first before you go buy Mackenzie brand seeds. And then I also actually looked into a couple free options for seeds. So although I didn't use them, I did want to share them because maybe you want to use them. So where I live on Vancouver Island, our libraries actually have seed libraries. So you can check um, on the website, you go to the VIRL website, and you can see what libraries on the island have seed libraries. And how these work are that you can go in and you can sign out three bags of seeds. So whatever seeds you want, you can sign out three bags, take them home, you use the seeds that you need, and then you return what's left in the bag for others to use. You can take out three more bags if you want. And every time you go in, you can take three bags of seeds, use what you need. They do ask that you seed save. So after this season, when your plants start to bolt and you have seeds that you can harvest, harvest the seeds, and then they want you to bring those back to the seed library. And then there's also a seed saving workshop happening in Nanaimo soon. So if you live in Nanaimo and you don't know how to save seeds, this would be a really cool opportunity. I might go to it. I don't know if I'm going to be able to, if it'll work in my schedule, but it is on May 3rd. So this weekend coming up, the week that this podcast episode is going live, it's called the CD Sunday event at uh, Nanaimo District Secondary School. And they are doing a seed saving workshop where you'll learn how to harvest seeds and you actually go home from that workshop with seeds. So that's a really cool way to learn how to do that in the future, but also get yourself some seeds right away that you can use this season. Um, and then I also saw on Pinterest that there is a thing called seed libraries that are kind of like the little free book, like take a book, leave a book libraries that you see at the end of people's driveways. 
it's the same idea, but it's with seeds. So you can take some seeds and then bring them back and bring your seeds that you save and whatever. I'm not sure if these exist where I live. I've never seen one, but it's a super cool idea. And I wish one existed here. Maybe I'll start one, <laughs> but I would check if there's anything like that where you live, if you do not live where I live. So those are my main tips and my plan for getting a garden started on a budget to feed my family and to have a little bit of fun while I'm doing it because I've really been loving starting my seeds. It's honestly so fun to like go check on them every day, see if there's any new sprouts. And I know that it's going to be so cool when I get to harvest our crops this summer, see how well I do on feeding our family and just start making things with our own homemade food. Like, I don't know if you've ever cooked something with homegrown produce, but I swear it tastes so much better. It's just like mentally so rewarding that it physically tastes better. So yeah, that is, that's what I've got to tell you today. I definitely am going to be sharing more about my garden girly journey on my Instagram in the spring and the summer once it's in full throttle here. And I can't wait to show you guys how it all turns out. Hopefully it turns out well. And this uh, podcast episode doesn't age like milk but we'll see. <laughs> so that's all for today. Next week, we're going to be getting back into usual programming, chatting a little bit about the phases of macro tracking and the plan for the cutting phase that I just started. So I will see you guys next Monday to chat all about that. And yeah, see you on Instagram in the meantime. Bye strong moms. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Strong Moms Club podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and I would love to hear your thoughts or feedback on today's conversation. Feel free to send me a DM over on Instagram. My username there is at Raya Hamel. That's spelled R-H-I-A-H-A-M-E-L. Make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode and leave me a rating and review if you love listening to this podcast so that others can find this podcast more easily. Thanks again for listening. See you next week, Strong Mama.